message is from the Axis Church, a redeemed community of missionaries living for the fame of the real Jesus. For more information about Jesus or the Axis vision in Nashville, go to theaxischurch.org. Good morning, I'm Jeremy, the pastor here at the Axis, and I'm grateful uh, that you're here with us today. Um, hope that you're warm enough. Um, I do enjoy the cold weather. Um, this is my favorite time of year. Uh, so I'm glad you get to enjoy this with me. Uh, well, today is our uh, second week in our annual, uh, every January, uh, our annual uh, Fight the Drift series where uh, we as the leadership of the Axis Church take a step back um, in order to look at the overall health of our church um, and address uh, certain uh, particular significant areas of concern, where we help pastor and shepherd ourselves through these precarious concerns in order to make us healthier, in order uh, to cause a certain amount of uh, increased maturity uh, in ways that would bring more glory and honor to our good God. So uh, if you're a guest with us this morning, welcome. Uh, this is some family talk uh, here at the Axis, and I hope that you'll be encouraged uh, as, as we uh, discuss uh, these particular matters as a church family. Glad you're here. Uh, fight the drift is a phrase that we often use here to describe our, our sanctification. Our justification is something that's done outside of us, though within us, by the power of God through Jesus Christ. The only thing that we bring to the table in our justification is the need to be justified. So we bring sin to the table, and Jesus takes care of everything else, making us right with God, justifying us before God the Father, making us good enough now to be in relationship with God. There's nothing that we could do to earn our justification Nothing. It's only done by grace through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. What a blessing it is to say that. What a blessing it is to seek to believe this more and more. But now in regards to our sanctification, this is something where we, with God's help, become more and more like Jesus through the power of God working within our hearts as we become in practice daily who we already are in the eyes of God forever in eternity future. You see, we as Christians, uh, for, for Christians, the, we, we see within the New Testament that it is very clear that we, we work in our sanctification along with the power of God within us, the Spirit of God, to fight the natural drift towards worldliness, for instance, by intentionally pursuing holiness. Uh, we naturally drift towards isolation, therefore we intentionally pursue friendship within community. And we naturally will drift towards self-centeredness so therefore, we must intentionally pursue mission, for instance. So fighting the drift is being intentional. Fighting the drift understands that making personal sacrifices, like sacrificial living, what sacrificial living has to do with seeing maturity and growth come in our lives individually, and then as we together make up the whole communally. And I believe wholeheartedly that we will not drift towards growth. We will not drift towards spiritual growth. I believe wholeheartedly that we will not drift towards gospel health. As a church, if, if we're to grow in these significant areas, it will only be through great intentionality 
Uh, it'll only be through an uphill pursuit to accomplish this as the Spirit works within us. And I know God's going to help us. He's promised to. Uh, I do want to see us become a healthier church throughout this year. I believe God's going to help us. Now, as we consider our sanctification, uh, we have to understand the proper motivation in the pursuit of godly obedience. We have to understand our proper motivation, uh, what that has to do with our healthy sanctification. You see, a proper motivation uh, comes from understanding more and more of what God has already done for us already through Jesus. So the proper motivation for pursuing Christ-likeness in our sanctification plays a part in understanding who we have been made as a result of Jesus' work already on our behalf. A proper motivation comes from understanding that our standing before God isn't affected by how good we grow on Monday or how badly we may drift on Friday. But because of Jesus and the righteousness that he has provided for us, we are perfect in the eyes of God the Father. And that's a relief because we can't do our sanctification perfectly, right? We fail. We drift. We make mistakes. We disobey. We miss it hundreds of times a day. And yet, even in our failure and our sanctification, because of our justification being through Christ, God is never disappointed along our journey because of what Christ has firmly and forever established for us through his perfect work. Now, a poor motivation for fighting the drift or pursuing mission or pursuing holiness, a poor motivation is guilt, though it's effective. A poor motivation is shame, though it's effective. A poor motivation for pursuing Christ's likeness is regret um, or comparison, just trying to outdo you um, in how well I live my Christian life. That's a poor motivation. A proper motivation comes from understanding that, man, I've been saved, and I get now, I get to live for the one who has rescued me. So it's like we've been saved, so that, and there's the motive kind of right there in that wheelhouse right there. We've been saved so that we can now do good works to glorify God. We're, we're not to, to pursue church involvement to feel more like a Christian or to pursue church involvement so that God will like us now. We're not to pursue godly obedience uh, to feel more spiritual than if we don't pursue obedience. We're free to pursue church involvement. We're free to pursue godly obedience because we've been saved, because we've been changed, because we've been redeemed, because we've been shown great favor, not to cause God to show us favor. You see, because of grace through Jesus, there's nothing we can do to get God to love us anymore. He loves us at maximum capacity right now and forever for those who are in Christ. And what a sweet relief it is to say that there's nothing that we can do to mess this up. He's continually using our failure somehow for his glory and our good. That's the Bible. That's the Old Testament. It's not a book of heroes. It's a book of failures who God continues to put up with, who God continues to use. 
to bring about his good purposes and to bring about a people for his own possession. So there's room for us too in this ongoing story. Because from beginning to end, uh, from, from where the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, stopped our funerals, our eternal funerals. He stopped our death. From the very beginning where he's stopped our death and caused us to live, where he saved us, regenerated us, waking us up as Christians each and every day, keeping us Christians each and every day, all the way to delivering us to the Father at the end of our life, forever securely saved. The Spirit of God is the one who protects us along the way, through whom we receive strength and power to pursue and mature faithfully. May we depend on him for perseverance and grit and strength, seeking him continually in prayer in these ways. I mean, on this, one of my favorite passages uh, that were given in the Bible, specifically in the New Testament, um, where we see a, a glimpse into what it looks like to depend on the Spirit of God for this pursuit of becoming more like Jesus comes from Colossians 1, 28 and 29. Look carefully at this. Him we proclaim warning everyone, all right, warning everyone, and teaching everyone with all wisdom and discernment so that we may present everyone healthy, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Now, this is the goal of every Christian, is teaching others, warning others, that, they may, uh, that we help, might help uh, present everyone mature in Christ. And Paul says, now this is what I work for. For this I toil but notice carefully, struggling with all my might. It's not what he says. For this I toil and I work, struggling with all of his energy. Interesting, isn't it? That I powerfully work within me. No, we're passive yet again. That he powerfully works within me. This is a, a beautiful picture of healthy sanctification. Do we toil and work? Yes. Are we gritty? Yes. Do we want to grow in our tenacity and our pursuit of maturity in the gospel and faith? Yes. But even this isn't entirely of our own doing. It is with his energy that he's powerfully working within us. You see, motive plays such a, a dynamic difference in the life of the Christian. Motive has to do, really, between what is Christian and what is non-Christian. Motive has everything to do with our faith. So the Spirit of God works within us. It's not our strength. It's learning more and more to depend on Him. That is a beautiful picture of health in our sanctification. Now, today I want to spend uh, the rest of our time that we have together on the topic of mission on mission in our Fight the Drift series. You see, for most of us, I, I know that it's a lot easier for our church to have a mission than it is for our lives, personally, to have a mission. But this mentality and paradigm of mission isn't healthy. Mission is more than what your church does. Mission has to do with what God is doing in and through you, not merely your church, but a collection of you is the mission of the church. Don't borrow the church's mission on your own, and it will be playing a part in the church's mission. You see, happy Christians 
Healthy Christians are those who are aware of the Christian's mission and who are seeking to faithfully fulfill this mission. In this mission is their purpose. It is their calling, as we'll see. Now, here's what I mean by mission for our time here today. Mission is spreading the fame of the real Jesus to our hearts. We have to start there. If you automatically think mission and go somewhere else, you're bypassing your own need for the gospel. And even the book of Jonah can tell us that we can be a missionary to faithfully go to Nineveh and still have stone cold hearts. Nineveh was more receptive to the gospel than Jonah was. And so we can too. So we have to be careful to take this, the fame of the real Jesus continually to our own hearts and to our city and to the world through the scattering of the church. Mission is the spreading of the fame of the real Jesus to our hearts and to our city and to our world through the scattering of the church. Mission is simply living regular lives with gospel intentionality. It's not a big church campaign, though those have a place. For instance, many of us are going to India in March, and we ask for your prayers, and we ask for your financial support for those uh, who the Lord is prompting to give towards this mission. But mission is more than just this, this trip a year or, or a campaign through the local church. Mission at its core is basically one thirsty person telling another thirsty person where there's water, right? It's one beggar telling another beggar, oh, over there's the food. You see, living on mission is living life today here in Nashville just as you would as a missionary in India. Packed with intentionality, right? When we go to India, we're going to be very intentional about our time. We're going to live with a specific goal in mind while we're there. We're going to be eating with intentionality, shopping, studying, talking, playing, all with strategy in mind, not just looking out for ourselves, but for others. That's why we're there, right? Well, friends, it's why you're here. Mission is often not extraordinary. It's not just seeing where you can fit more Christian activities into your daily rhythm. Rather, it's working to reconstruct how you view your schedule to begin with, where all of your life is that of mission. It's looking for every opportunity to see the gospel capitalize on your seemingly normal activities. It's, it's utilizing all we are and all we have for the use and glory of God and the spreading of the fame of his son, Jesus Christ. So mission requires that we consider um, ourselves not as owners of much, but as stewards as much, right? It views our stuff as means of pointing others to Jesus, not simply making our lives easier or more comfortable, uh, mission views our calendar even and our scheduled things as more open-handed or wet cement based on who God brings into our life in a general day, looking at these opportunities, seeing our homes as outposts of hope and not merely that of destinations of our comfort. Uh, living life on mission says, you know, there's something more important to this life. There's something more important than this mere life. There's something more significant than our friendship, as 
precious and sweet as our friendship is, there's still something that's bigger and more significant than our friendship. There's something that we must discuss more than simply coffee or the weather or football or our jobs. Mission sees these interruptions in our lives as opportunities for the truth of Jesus to be demonstrated, shown to others, and shared. When we say no to mission because that's the pastor's job, when we say no to mission because that's the professional's job who's gone to seminary, or the varsity Christians, or the super Christians, that there's no super Christian, there's no varsity Christian, okay? That's, that's a pile of crap, okay? That doesn't exist. But when we say no to mission, we drift towards self-centeredness in our lives and in our faith. You see, our lives were never meant to be these uh, cul-de-sacs of God's love. Our life's not meant to be cul-de-sacs of, of God's grace and mercy. Rather, we're to see our lives as that of conduits, conduits of his love, conduits of his grace, conduits of his mercy, where he's flowing through us to others. And now as we think about mission, we have to understand there's certain factors that hinder mission in our lives and certain uh, factors that assist mission in our lives. For instance, uh, something that hinders mission in our lives is, is fear, is fear, fear of man, fear uh, where, we, where we live for the approval of others rather than living from the approval of God. So we fear being rejected. We, we fear being labeled. We, we fear being lonely, right? We, we fear um, failure where if I do this, it's going to be wrong. So I'm just going to wait till I know how to do it better before I actually begin to share Jesus with my friends, or there could just be this general fear uh, that's, that's uh, in common in introverts where we're just afraid to talk to others, regardless of the topic. So fear hinders. Also, guilt hinders mission. I just screamed at my kids. How can I now turn around with the same mouth and talk to this person about Jesus? Man, this guilt is paralyzing. It's such a tool the enemy. It feels like a loss of credibility. Why would anyone take me serious? I'm, I'm, I'm such a sinner. I know what I'll do. I'll wait until I have it together more. I'll, I'll earn more righteousness uh, before God first. Uh, you know, I feel like a hypocrite. I feel defeated. Uh, I feel like a terrible Christian, let alone missionary. I, I know what I'll do. I'll do more good, and then I will share my faith with others. I'm going to stop and read the Bible for a few days in a row. I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to get uh, in a fight with anybody or argument. Um, then I will talk about Jesus, and then I'll pick up mission and, and take it more seriously, maybe on Monday. I'll work really hard until Monday. Mission is also hindered when we become comfort-focused. Uh, self-centered, uh, looking out for our needs. Um, mission is hindered when, when we forget that there is hell. When we forget that there is a godless eternity for those who aren't in Christ. Mission is hindered when we forget the joy that we experience in Jesus and that others can come and taste and see what it's like to be forgiven and to know their creator personally, and that he loves them. Mission is hindered when we become isolated and insulated from lost people, from doubters, from skeptics, from seekers, 
and we end up with few, if any, relationships with unbelievers. Uh, it's like we live life in this Christian bubble. Man, there's great danger in this. This mission drift. We must not only have close friends who are Christians. We must not only gather with others who already love Jesus. We must not, not only uh, grab some food and coffee uh, and have some conversations with those who are believing Jesus. I mean, man, these are wonderful these are precious. This is what it means to be a Christian, is to be a part of these conversations and these calendared events, but let's not allow these things to only be what's on our calendars. You see, family, we're called by God to a mission. If you are a Christian, you are a missionary. We are called by God to tell others that God loves them that he sent his son to suffer and die for them in order to give them life after this life and purpose and meaning in this life and that they can be forgiven and that they can know that there's a God and that he loves them. And they can know what their calling is, their purpose and even being born. You see, friends, Jesus tells us that we're cities on a hill, that we're to be seen, he tells us that we're to be lights into the darkness. We're told that we're ambassadors of Jesus Christ where God makes his appeal to others through us. And consider 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. If anyone is in Christ, all things are new, right? He's a brand new person. He's been regenerated. He's a new creation. The old has passed away. There was a funeral, right? Our old man is gone. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ, the power of Christ, reconciled us to himself. This is the mission of Christ, to reconcile, bring us back to God. But he also gave us something more than life. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Well, what's that? Well, he tells us. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. That's grace. He counted our trespasses against Jesus. Wow. And entrusting to us, this is the Christians here, Christians, he has entrusted to you the message of reconciliation, okay? Therefore, we are ambassadors, representatives on foreign soil, representatives of another country on foreign soil. Your home is heaven, not this fleeting, passing world. Your home is with God, not here. Your ambassadors here, but your home is somewhere else. Don't get too comfortable. We are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. That's what it means to be an ambassador, is God is making his appeal to others through us. Well, what's that look like, Paul? Paul's going to tell us right here. For instance, we beg you, implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's what it looks like to be an ambassador, is to look at other people this way. Say, I, I plead with you, I beg you, be reconciled to God. And here's how this is possible. Jesus came to us to bring us to God, and it's faith in his finished work that unites you back to your creator, that gives you forgiveness and purpose and meaning and life after this life. 
be reconciled to God. So for those who aren't Christians this morning, I implore you on behalf of God to be reconciled to him through Jesus Christ. For our sake, God made Jesus to be sin, who was perfect. He knew no sin, so that in him we might become, in Christ, that union, we might become the very righteousness of God. Righteousness of God, being made perfect, good enough to be in relationship with God again. That's the message that our city needs. That's what we must continue to believe. This is what the world needs to hear. We've been given this ministry of reconciliation in order to see God reconcile sinners back to himself. This is the mission of God. Therefore, the mission that the church must be about as well. Mission is a way of life. Yet, we often seem to be so fixated on our comfort rather than this mission. And to be frank with you, as a church, I feel that we're too clean. I feel that we're too safe with our rhythms and our routines. And I dream of seeing the most violent peoples in our city become Christians and worship Jesus here with us in our church. I dream of seeing the most notorious drug dealers in our city become Christians. I dream of seeing those who are leading the sex trafficking industry here in our city become Christians and worship Jesus with us here. I dream of seeing those who are leading our government here in our city who aren't Christians yet become Christians and worship Jesus with us here in our church. I dream of seeing the town drunks, the city strippers, the gang members, and the terrorists who are perhaps living amongst us. I dream of seeing these precious people living here in our city becoming Christians and worshiping Jesus with us here in this very room along with us. I dream of seeing God redeem and regenerate people that for the most part our city has seen as hopeless. I dream of God not only saving them, but using our church family in this work of redemption of such people. If God will use a church to reach these people, I dream and pray that he'll use the access, that he'll use you to do so. But my question is, do, do you have this dream? When you look across the city, do you think these thoughts? Do you, do you dream of seeing these people become Christians? Do you pray that, that God would save and change these people, your friends, your servers, these people of our city? Perhaps more importantly, my question is, will you begin to pray for these things if you don't already? My fear is that we've drifted that we've drifted um, when we have exchanged this uh, wartime mission lifestyle that we as Christians have been called to have, that, that we've become in so many ways domesticated. Um, we're often uh, pleasure-seeking tourists rather than ambassadors of Jesus Christ in this city. We're certainly more comfortable talking about the news of the day rather than sharing the good news of Jesus Christ that has eternal and everlasting effects. And 
perhaps we consider it more loving to earn the right to be heard, maybe at the expense of never being heard, never taking the opportunity to do so. Illusionist and atheist Pendulette said, um, with, he said this with a lot of emotion. He said this with a lot of tears, in fact. He said, uh, if, if you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward, consider this question. He says, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize, to, to not tell the truth, to not evangelize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? That floored me. When you get too comfortable in, in this life, in this world, you forget that you were saved for a purpose. You forget that you have a mission. You forget that you have a mission and that you are on a mission. And in many ways, we become just like everyone else who are outside of Christ. And in many ways, we as Christians exchange our army fatigues for PJs. We exchange our weapon, which is the word of God, for cameras and smartphones. And we disconnect and we drift from our mission. We get so caught up in the temporal that, that we lose the concept and belief and paradigm of the eternal We've become so recklessly unintentional in our mission, I'm afraid. And so we must pray. We must pray. There are certain factors that assist us in this mission. For instance, prayer. Praying, asking to be sensitive to the Spirit of God moving, where we're more aware and ready and discerning, looking for these opportunities that he has given us to tell others about Jesus, to show others Jesus. Uh, praying to care. If you don't care, pray to care. Uh, uh, pray to be more bold to share with others. Pray for an increased burden of the lost in your family, in your circle of friends, and in your city, and on your street. Pray to see them as Jesus would see them, not just friends and family, but as Sheep without a shepherd who are scattered, who are just searching and searching and searching. We've got the answer. But they're searching and searching and searching. But they're just our friends and family. But they're searching, they're searching, and they're searching. And you've got the way. Pray for an increased burden that would induce our vocal cords to speak. That would bring about truth from our lips to our friends and our family and to those of our city. Perhaps you develop a prayer list that you pray over consistently with names of people that you know aren't currently interested in Jesus right now. Praying for those people consistently. Also praying for God to reveal to us the proper way that we can uh, uh, handle our lives and our possessions as we seek to live on mission. Praying for discernment in knowing how to say and what to say the gospel. How to say it. And what to say with our friends and family. Things that assist uh, mission is growing in community where gospel investing in others outside the church is valued and encouraged and championed together like our access communities. Uh, things that assist this is also growing in our holiness, growing in our pursuit of Jesus. 
and allow uh, mission to flow out of our settled and firm identity in Jesus, where we're daily uh, meditating on the mercy and grace that we've been given in Jesus, where we're rehearsing this gospel over and over and over, all these things helping to fight the drift away from self-centeredness. Each of these things helping push us back on mission. When we actually are growing in our belief and awe of what Jesus has done for us, it often becomes much easier to be motivated to share the gospel with others. When you're being wowed by Jesus, it's easier to share Jesus with others. When you're not assuming the gospel but learning to cherish it, it's easier then and more simply, and more simple to share it with others because you're just so wowed by this. Christian, you are called to be on a mission. According to Romans chapter 10, 13, 14, and 15, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's no maybe. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And this isn't just my job. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. You see, friends, no one needs a title to be a blessing to someone. No one needs a formal education to share the hope that's found in Jesus with somebody else. Christians, we are filled with his very spirit to be sent out on mission. And now I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm, I'm certainly being preached to, okay? <laughs> this isn't someone up here who's doing this right, who's nailing it and saying, y'all need to get your stuff in line like me. No, no, no. I feel guilty. I feel guilty as I preach this sermon. I feel guilty when I preach every sermon. When we Christians hear this, we will perhaps feel an element of guilt or remorse if we're honest. But we have to hear this. We're able to work and serve as missionaries under the perfect missionary work of Jesus, who has and forever will be the only perfect missionary. So remember this, church. You are a chosen race. You are already a royal priesthood. You are already a holy nation. You are already a people of his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This new identity fuels our mission, not guilt, not shame, not regret, not comparison. This new identity. He's the one who said in Isaiah 49, I will make you a light for the nations so that my salvation will reach the end of the earth. Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. You are a city that's set on a hill that cannot be hidden. 
nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. Now, friends, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. When we are silent and we don't exist for the sake of others, or if we are racially or class selective with who we pursue mission with, or if we only pursue mission when it's super convenient, or when we value personal comfort over the necessary inconvenience of living a sent life on mission, friends, ultimately, we're failing to believe the gospel. We're failing to believe the gospel. You see, the gospel is all about Jesus stepping out of his normal in order to invite us in, welcoming us into friendship with him and his father when we were absolutely hostile to him. We were the dirtiest of the dirty. We were the hardest to love. He came to love and save, and we killed him for it. He didn't merely leave his suburban home. He left paradise. Jesus came as a missionary to save us, to bring us hope, to invite us into something that would change us forever. Now, this morning, your life may be centered upon you, but your life can be recentered upon God. It can be recentered upon Jesus as you seek Him and pursue Him and pray for Him to guide you, as you pursue Christian community within a local church, as you pursue living your life on mission, the mission of making the real Jesus famous in your heart and in your city and in the world. Now, friends, imagine with me what our city would look like. Imagine what our church could look like, the stories of redemption that could be shared as we are actively pursuing mission as Christians in our city. By the grace of God at work in and among us, may we honestly say that I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation, not doing better, but this gospel is the power of God to save to everyone who believes, anyone. Now, Access Church, I want you to hear the commissioning and sending from Jesus today as I finish my time. Be encouraged by this. Jesus says this to his disciples. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. And he says this, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Don't be prejudiced. <laughs> go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, our triune God, but also teaching them. Teach them what you've learned. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And you're not doing it alone. Remember, I'm with you, even until the end of the age. Christian, this is our mission. This is your mission. So the question we have this morning isn't, what's my mission? What's my calling? The question becomes, am I trusting Jesus to do something through me for the sake of others? Am I being obedient? Am I, am I healthy? Is my motivation proper? It's not whether you're a missionary or not. We're, we're all, as Christians, we're all missionaries. That's taken care of. That's our calling all right, let's move on from that. Let's graduate from that to whether we're being obedient and entrusting him to do something special in and through us. Are we pursuing this? Let me pray for us. 
Jesus, thank you for entrusting us with this ministry of reconciliation. Thank you for reconciling us to your Father. Lord, I ask that you grant to us proper motivation in pursuing others with this gospel, that we, whether it be across the street or around the world, whether it be India or Indiana or East Nashville, Lord, that, that we are doing so, we're telling others about you, that we're doing so with the proper motivation, knowing that there's nothing we can do to mess it up and there's nothing we can do that would cause you to be more proud of us. Lord, let that allow us to swing away and give it our best shot, knowing that it's the power of God to save and not the power of our ability to be able to be a provocative speaker or a compelling missionary. But Lord, that you're doing the work through us and it's on you as we're obediently seeking to tell others. It's really about you and what you're doing already in that person's heart. It's not in our ability to convince. It's just aligning ourselves up with your mission, seeing this become accomplished in and around us. Lord, give us a passion and burden for the lost. Give us proper concern for our family and friends. Lord, give us radical stories of redemption in our city that we can celebrate as a church family. Lord, make us increasingly uncomfortable at the expense of seeing others experience you, experience forgiveness and experience purpose and true eternal life. In Christ's name I pray, amen. This message is from the Axis Church, a redeemed community of missionaries living for the fame of the real Jesus. For more information about Jesus or the Axis vision in Nashville, go to theaxischurch.org.